1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast,
0: the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
2: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, here tonight with Honky. Hey, pack it up, Husker football fans. We had a nice
0: run over these last 125 years, but according to Kentucky Sports Jock, uh, Matt Jones uh, it's all over now so back to our cornfield and sadness
1: all right hey, Boomer what's up well I just spent the weekend learning way more about Holy Cross baseball than I ever thought necessary
3: true so true and Mac how's it going fellas I'm looking forward to you guys catching me up on what I've missed while I've been gone and just learning me a little bit about what these regionals are all about it's
2: all about the regionals all right. it's yeah, speaking of baseball, uh I saw that uh, the Miami Hurricanes failed to make the NCAA baseball tournament for the first time since nineteen seventy three. Wow, if we could go back to Husker football in nineteen seventy three, that would be interesting, huh? Wow. 44 we'll never get years. It back. We're never gonna get it back. It's ever. It's over, man. It's, it's over. over. Miami baseball shut it uh, down. Uh yeah, it's they're, they're done. Uh, it's, they <laughs> haven't won a World Series in forever there. And, Miami. Well, we have to do- just like have
1: to drop them from the kings of baseball. I, there's no question. Yes, there. yeah, we're dropping. Well, they just
2: don't have the Miami from there. the kings of baseball because um, if uh, you're a, now a, a listener of the show, you know that a few weeks ago we broke down Stuart Mandel's uh, kings and barons uh, list, and uh, we made our, our point of um, Nebraska sticking around on that kings list. But uh, we're going to open up t- uh, tonight with uh, scar- scarlet colored glasses and talk about all things Husker football because uh, Stuart Mandel released his uh, new article and he did, in fact, drop Nebraska from the Kings level. Uh, Honky, well, what was your take when you read that?
0: Well, I mean, I can't say that it was shocking. We we talked about it on the show the last time that uh, – that it was possible that he would do that with us. Um, As we get into discussing this a little more here, I don't really have as much of an issue with his points behind why he thought we would fall. It was more the inconsistencies with the other teams that he left up there. So, you know, and also it's kind of goes back to the definition of what a king meant. It wasn't just about what we were talking about a few weeks ago. It wasn't just about who won 10 or 11 games last year or two years ago. It was the holistic piece of your, your program winning on the field, but also having fan support and winning off the field and so uh you know it's an it's an opinion on his part and I still have my opinions.
1: <laughs> uh Boomer? I think uh honky summed it up pretty nicely. I think the my biggest problem with his rankings the way he's done it is just that inconsistency from one program to the next He'll sit there and say how it's not about necessarily what you've done lately and then go ahead and include Penn State and Clemson on that list, You know, teams I argued probably legitimately could be dropped. And then he has Miami on there as well. And if you wanted a program that's probably done very little, almost in the same time frame as Nebraska, it would be Miami. I mean, they've had... Far worse stretch than we've had. Their program is doesn't have the fan base unless they're winning. I mean, no one shows up to their games, and yet they're still a king. Scandals, uh, yeah, too. Plus scandals on mm-hmm. top of it. And, uh, and Penn State, we can uh, discuss that, too. Same kind of issues. And I mean, if Penn State doesn't win the Big Ten last year, are they still a king? I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. One year save them. Mac, you know, you missed out on that conversation when we did the... Well, I was there for some of it. Um,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right,
2: right. You were there. Yeah, yeah. That's I, my bad.
3: What, 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 what do you think? I man? suppose, you know, just in fairness, there's no point in I'm putting on a new list if you're not going to change some things. And we really didn't do much in terms of on the field to hold on to that spot very tightly. So, whatever. You know, if I gave it, if I really cared so much about what this guy thought, it'd bother me more. But uh, that's just yeah, sort of how it goes. I mean, I don't know. The legacy, it kind of looks bad, but. Recruits don't read Sports Illustrated, let's face it. They, they're on the message no. <laughs> boards. They're not reading that stuff. Those are for well, old Mac, people. Yeah, you
2: know, I, Mac, I think Stuart Mandel is a res, a respected uh, sports writer, but it's just one opinion, and it is his, his opinion. Hockey, I, I know when it came out you uh, were throwing out some stats and whatnot. I don't know if you have those off the top of your head, but I think there are some pretty valid points on comparing some of those other programs that could have been on the chopping block.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mike alluded to it a little earlier with Miami and, and – I mean, just to, to, let's look go down the list here of the Kings that he has. He has Alabama, he moved Clemson up, uh, Florida, Florida State, LSU, Miami, Michigan, dropped Nebraska, maintained Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, and USC. So the the only school that dropped was us, and the only one that, that moved up was Clemson. Um, I think, you know, one of the things, you know, looking at Miami, and even uh, Mandel mentioned this, you know, the Canes haven't won more than nine games in any season since 2003, so if if being winning a lot of games recently, if that's the reason to drop a team, then fine, drop Nebraska, although we've won at least nine games in eight of the last nine seasons. So even our recent years haven't been horrific. They're not necessarily Kings, sure. but they're not horrific, right? You can look at Florida, and if it's about having success recently again, they're 48-29 and 29 since Urban Meyer left. Uh, the last two seasons that brought a lot of excitement under McElwain they've gone 10 and 4 and 9 and 4 which are records Nebraska fans would be very familiar with. Michigan, if it's about winning conference titles recently, Michigan hasn't won a conference title since 2004. And against their rivals and we had a big rivals discussion last show, um, if you look at Ohio State, they lost 12 of 13 to Ohio State. They've lost 7 of 9 to Michigan State. So that's 3 of 19 for those without a calculator, but that's, you know, if it's about winning a conference championship, that's what they've done. Notre Dame i don't have an explanation here it's really hard to explain what what the irish have done on the field for relevancy short of one magical outside run. of one year yeah and we have their defensive coordinator now um but outside of one magical year in a make-believe girlfriend there is i mean they I, I i don't understand this they've gone 134 and 90 since 1999 we've gone 157 and 72 just uh Throw that out. Wow. I mean, we've won twenty, 20 three more games in Notre Dame those. since ninety nine. They've had five losing seasons, they've missed seven bowls, they've had records of three and four, and they're currently coming off a four and eight season. Penn State, as we've all discussed, you know, they had a magical two month run last year and, and I hope that they're getting back to that level. I really do. We're gonna be playing them this year and it'll be beneficial to us if they're up there in the in the polls. But without last season, uh they would that or last season was their first and seven where they finished in the final AP poll. And then Texas, Texas is completely a myth here, since they beat us for the with the one second on the clock. Since they beat us for that last conference championship, they've had they've gone forty six and forty two since two thousand ten. Uh, you look at USC, uh, USC since Pete Carroll has left, they've gone sixty two and thirty. Nebraska's gone sixty two and thirty one during that exact same time. So the only thing that 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 comes together for me here, and I, I want to hear your guys' take on this, but We've started to kind of get this prevailing sense nationally from the Matt Jones guy, the, the Kentucky sports dude, and from Stuart Mandela's that, you know, it can't come back here in Nebraska. Nothing can come back. You know what you need? You need a really good coach. And when you get a good coach, things can start to turn around. Because if you look at where teams were just 10 years ago, Texas, USC, Florida, those were three of the top teams in the country. Texas and USC was playing for a championship. Florida had Urban Meyer. And 10 years ago, every sports guy was saying these these teams will never drop off again. They are in the recruiting hotbeds. They are big kings of football. Well, guess what? When you lose a, a Pete Carroll, when you lose an Urban Meyer, and and when, you know, Mac Brown starts to kind of go senile, I guess, you know, you can start to lose a lot of football games. And all of those teams, I guess my, my long story short there is all those teams have baggage with them. And I just think it's inconsistent that Nebraska is the one that our baggage is too much that you have to drop it. So I just – it's, sure. There's no metric yeah. that he's following. I, it's just it's a gut feel on his part, and I, I just have a different gut feel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any of us are trying to throw Stuart Mandel under, under the bus on this one. It's his opinion, but I, I don't think he did a lot of you know, or research to, to delineate some of these teams. Um, you know, I, I think you know, remembering our conversation, we put a lot of weight into, go figure, uh, fans and the fan base and the commitment to the fans to not let their program slip um, I don't think that's something that seemed to be as, as uh, at the top of uh, Mandel's uh, criteria, uh, and so that's probably a, a, a major difference.
0: Max said it on on our our show that we were talking about the Barons and and all that, and Mac said that um, he didn't think that we played like kings on the field because our fans sure think yeah. we have been, and that's you know, yeah. Mac, you can you can speak to that here. I mean that that's what, that was but kind of your weird point, Honky, with
2: those this, those statistics you have four or five other Kings that haven't played like Kings over the last decade, plus or minus. Um, so I think what what my take is on this, and I, I want to hear everyone else's take take as well, is that for some reason in the, in the national media, and Hunky, you were just alluding to this, so I, I think it's your take as well, it is that for some reason, the perception of Nebraska football nationally is that, we can't get it back. For some reason, Mandel and others think that Penn State, because of geography, because of Miami, because of geography, um, because uh, uh, for, for Notre Dame, just because of the absolute depth of the, the tradition, I don't know, uh, can always figure out a way to get back to the top and will compete for national championships again. But the prevailing opinion in the national media and in a lot of places, is that Nebraska will never get back for whatever reason. And it seems like a lazy um, bit of uh, sports writing to simply say it's the population or something in in the the change of uh, the re- recruiting rules, et cetera, that has made it impossible. Uh, and it just seems like that's just the easiest answer for everyone else to not do any sort of research, any sort of analysis, of how programs rise and fall and they've just chosen Nebraska is one that can never come back. Mac uh, or Boomer,
1: fire away. Well, I'd just say I think in the Kentucky Sports Writer, it's it's amazing they can actually write in Kentucky. I guess we learn something new every day. <laughs> but in his defense, his article, he, you know, he didn't just single out Nebraska. He also picked on Notre Dame and Tennessee all in that in that same article. And his argument was that it wasn't necessarily we would never win another national championship again. He said it's certainly possible for Nebraska, for Tennessee, for Notre Dame to get back and have those that season or two or even three or so of competing for national titles. I think the argument that a lot of them make is that we'll never see that success like we had in the 90s again, or even just that long stretch we had from Devaney through the Osborne years, that we're never going to rise to that level of dominance again. And that you know that's the easy argument to make because it is an easy argument to make. I don't know if it is possible. But. Well, I
0: think it's it's also a dumb argument to make because what Nebraska did for forty years, no one's done. We we talked about that with Alabama, and Alabama had thirty yeah. years between Bear Bryant and Saban, and and most schools don't go forty years. And so I think that's that's a, a legitimate question of when when you hear somebody nationally say Nebraska won't get back to that dominance, are they talking about just playing for titles? Or are they talking about not getting back to being sixty three and three in five years? Because if, yeah, if it's it, about I, that, I, feel like I it's agree. That's really hard to get back to. No one's doing that. Tech or yeah. uh, Alabama's not going sixty and three right now.
3: So, what yeah, are we talking exactly about? Right. Like like eighties, mid eighties level of Nebraska football is where we'd like to be. Like that kind of winning, that kind of conference championship. Well, I, I think, and then the, every every the every so often, every seven years or so, we kind of peak like we did in the nineties. You know, I mean, because in, rea- in yeah. reality, we're never going to be consistently dominant. Nobody is. That's that's ridiculous. So it's just how what are you, what are your ebbs and flows like? And our, well, you know, most of our ebbs r- haven't been that bad. Let's
2: mm-hmm. talk about our ebbs and flows of those forty years. Uh, I mean, hockey could run this off uh, <laughs> in a book, probably. But uh, I mean, let's think about it because there were, were some ebbs and flows. Uh, so. Obviously, you know, 65 or so, you know, Devaney had his, his early peak, but then a bit of a down year where we go six and four, two years in a row. We yep. then ebb up and uh, win national championships. We head back down. Uh, Osborne gets it back in the early 80s, has an amazing run. We have back down. Uh, we come back up in the 90s. Um, it was up and down a little bit, you know. The difference was the the, the down years, and this was probably because of the landscape was slightly different, um, Nebraska still goes nine and two regular season and finishes in the top ten. Um, and competes just for the conference. Of the nature of, of the sport at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and back in back in the Big Eight days, you're playing in a conference that's the size of your division today. So that changes things. Yeah. And you're not playing a conference title game. But yeah, you
2: know, we had and six of those teams usually weren't that great. So yeah.
0: which isn't that different yeah. from some of the divisions right now. A lot of times, three or sure. four or five of your division teams it really aren't that great either. But um, and now we, we get to a point now where we play non-conference schedules that are are built to at least beat two of the three teams. And back in like you can go back to like 1980 or 81, 82, we would play Auburn, Penn State, Iowa, and Florida State would be our non-conference.
2: 81
3: in particular, yeah. To, so so then, do we those. need to adjust yeah, our we... expectations to that? I mean, is is if it are we agreeing that it's harder to win?
2: Well, I I think the the argument that we would have is that our that the the ebb and flow is probably going to be should uh, maybe we need to accept a bit more of an extreme here in the sense that uh when when we're down we we maybe not finishing the top 10 right when when we were down we still finished in the top 10 in the 70s or 80s that's not going to be the case any longer yeah but, but with the it doesn't mean we as a fan sometimes. base yeah as a fan base we shouldn't shouldn't accept the fact that we'll never get the highs right and i think that's where our 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 argument um a few weeks ago was that the fan base at, at Texas, at Notre Dame, at Nebraska, just they they care too much to l- just let it die, right? And if you care that much, ultimately, to Honky's point, you will find a coach, the right coach, mm-hmm. that is going to get you back. And it, it's it's not just recruiting; it, it, it is all about the coach in many ways, um, because you're running the program, and you just need to find the right one. <laughs> and, uh, Alabama finally found the right maybe one. Maybe finally found the right one. Maybe even the right, Find the right
3: coordinator one. to to kind of weather a storm. If he, you know, if you believe in a pros or a coach, like I feel like of course, has obviously hitched his wagon to Riley, right? But it takes a strong athletic director to kind of do that and say, "Hey, I believe in this guy. Give me a little time here, and let's see what see what we can do." Because I just feel like that's the problem with today in a fan base as rabid as Nebraska's is, is that we get so impatient so quickly and. I just feel like if anywhere in the country needs some time to develop a culture, to build a system, to kind of get everything rolling like a train, it's Nebraska. And when we keep yanking the coach, it's going to get difficult, you know. And I feel like Riley, of all of them, has the best idea of what he wants to do offensively, and he's got a college coach background, and he's willing to do the work, and he's putting in tons of time. He's got a support staff that is just flying. I mean, I just feel like maybe we give this guy a little time. I'm not making excuses for anything next year either, by the way, just saying, uh, I feel like you'll need a strong athletic director to kind of weather those five and sevens or whatever kind of bad seasons he might have in the beginning. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Actually.
2: I think there was an interesting, uh, article. I think it was Sipple, right. That, uh, talked about, you know, that we need to give Riley some time and we need to be patient the next couple of years. and, I think most of us probably think that's a little bit BS because I think Riley's working his his rear end off right now to make next year a success. But um, some of the local media feels like they just need to pass in the next two years, and somehow in 2019 everything's going to be okay. You don't Honky?
0: you don't get to have another two years to pass on here. That just doesn't work that way. I, you know what, Husker yeah. fans, first off, don't. I think it's important not to tell them to be patient about something. I think they've been really patient for, for quite a while now. And they're not the ones that are firing coaches. Um, you know, Peterson fired a coach, and then the other coaches have kind of left probably rightfully, uh, you know, when they, when they were supposed to go. Um, I, I think right now what we can't afford to have is bad football being played out there. And at times last year, especially towards the end of the season, even with injuries and all those things, it was just bad football being played. And that's something that we can't afford to continue to have no matter who the coach is. I think what's different from today, the only expectation I have different today than I would have had 20 or 30 years ago, is simply on the being undefeated or only one loss kind of thing, because 20 years ago, because you were playing 12 games, or maybe 13 if you got into the bowl game, 13 total, and there's no conference title games and all that, you know, it was it was almost like you had to almost go 13 and zero. And Alabama has clearly shown right now you don't have to go
2: undefeated anymore No, you expect alabama to lose one yeah, game. A you year. yeah you expect
0: them to be losing at least one game every year and and yet they're still at the the top of the of the game and well, they playing I, the 100%, toughest conference ever in the toughest conference ever the sec <laughs> and and i think you guys have hit on it perfectly with it is about the coach and as long as we have the right coach and i'm not saying it's riley i'm not saying it's not riley but as long as we get that coach we can be as good as we've ever been i truly believe that and that's no different than Florida was really great with Urban Meyer, and they weren't really great when they got rid of Urban Meyer. Ohio State's really good with Urban Meyer. Saban is really good where he's at. You know, certain coaches can do that. And there's a south – in the southwest corner of Memorial Stadium, there's a little plaque that has Devaney and Osborne next to each other. And, you know, holy smokes, we were really good for 40 years, and we had two back-to-back first-ballot Hall of Fame coaches, (laughs) you know, that were the quickest to winning 200 games between the two of them in in college football history. took them 21 seasons to win 200 games. You know that's, and, and each winning one hundred. I mean that's insane. So if again, if some dude from Kentucky who I trust him talking about Nebraska football as much as I do talking about Kentucky basketball, to be honest with you. But if he thinks that we can never get back to that level, fine. I want to find the right coaches and and have them sell the program and do the and and maybe we have that right now. I, I'm not saying we don't, but if we've got that, I think we'll be just fine. I think we can get back to whatever level of dominance nebraska needs to get to because i think we are a king i'm going to replace the word king with blue blood we are a blue blood of football and 78,000 people don't show up at spring games and continue to support this team time and time and time again if we weren't then we will continue to if it's not riley we'll find the next guy and if it's not him they'll find the next guy yeah. they'll do what it takes and and it will come back it will at some point it will come back
2: yeah the commitment has to be there by the fan base I think that's that's it's number one at least from our opinions um you know, you know uh with the uh the the conversation about does Riley have enough time to turn this around uh into to, to max' point that we we need to have some stability and honky you' are big on stability as well um you just don't know if Riley's the guy or not um and and that really that Eichhorst is tied to Riley's success. I mean, one goes, the other is going to go. No questions asked. This is pure speculation. I don't know what what's your just simple take on like the boosters? Because ultimately, if if Riley goes six and seven next year or whatever, it's Eichhorst head that role role first, yeah, probably agreed. And and uh and then then Riley. How how much of a of a leash how much of a relationship have they built now with these boosters to say, hey, if if it doesn't go perfect next year, stick stick with us. You know, I, I
0: made a joke about Mac Brown a little earlier being senile at the end, and, and I like Mac Brown. He came and spoke spoke at one of the uh, coaches clinics a couple of weeks ago or a couple of years ago. Um, he bought himself a lot of time with boosters, and a lot of time with the media there just by being a good guy basically everything that pelini wasn't so that pelini could go in 9 and 4 and 10 and 4 and warranted being fired because he had done enough things to alienate people riley has i think that leash in terms of being a good guy i think he handles things the right way he 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 is a good face for the program i don't i've, I've never heard any one of us say a bad thing about riley personally you know we might cuss his name out a bit when we are playing poorly against you know a certain team east of omaha but but we're not we don't hate riley and so i think that does buy you a little bit of time it just comes back to we can't afford any more bad football under riley because we've seen unfortunately too much bad football in two years to continue that that, that just has to get better immediately
2: boomer mac
3: the football portion definitely has to get better and that that has been a little disappointing again I, you know I've said this before I give it a bit of an incomplete on his on the football side of things and especially next year is going to be interesting but but <clears throat> we've talked about this before as far as expectations and and Sipple trying to temp, temper our expectations or what Vegas kind of put out with their initial line is this this coaching staff has made no indication that they're trying to lower expectations for next year they are coming after you know they they came out, they got Diaco to get better. They stopped an airplane to get that guy. you know this they are serious about winning next year. They went out two years ago to get Tanner Lee to be ready for this season, knowing that this Tommy Armstrong experiment really wasn't working that well on top of stacking two other quarterbacks behind him so I, I I'm not going to temper my expectations because why would I? I'm a fan we We put a ton of time watching this program, and i I don't see. Or the, what Vegas has seen with the 6 wins stuff, we're going to be better. You know, the quarterback play alone, I think, warrants two wins. Okay, I'll just go out and say it, two wins. But, you no, know, it's crazy <laughs> to me. That, Bold prediction. It's I don't crazy think they're going to gonna
0: temper the ticket prices, I can tell you no. that.
3: So. I'm like, no. stop trying to sell me on, well, you're going to have to be okay with this. I'm not going to be okay with that. And, and why would we? I mean, I feel like if this coaching staff is putting together the pieces, three years is a lot of time. Um, in this day and age, you know it's it's a lot of time, and I, I agree he's buying time with his good behavior and his off mastery. I mean, unbelievable skill in the off season, but um, but he's still gonna have to win, and and the football has to look good. So we could we could maybe withstand maybe a win loss record that we don't love if the football looked really good. You know what I'm saying? And then you could say, That's okay, good here we yeah. go. You know, an injury here or a bad ball bounce there, you know, but the football has to look good. We have to be competitive to absorb any kind of less than 9-1 season for me.
0: Hey, Dave, Dave, we when we flew out to Columbus last year to watch the, the Ohio State game, we're 7-1 and one at that time coming off that, that Wisconsin loss, and I didn't talk to any unreasonable Husker fans there. I didn't talk to any Husker fans that were furious at the loss of last week. I mean – some thought, oh, we could have been a little bit more aggressive on offense or whatever. But that happens any, any loss. But I think Husker fans were saying, like, jeez, you know, we played them to overtime. It was a good game. You know, the, the ball bounces. back. That was good football. It was good football. And if we would have lost the exact same way to Ohio State, we would have flown back with two straight losses. But we would have sat there and said, well, we're doing this well. And, boy, that's a good team. And the horseshoe's an unbelievable environment. And, you know, but there was the difference between good football and bad football. And it still only counted for one in the L column, but but it was bad football in the L column. And that, that is a big difference. One other thing I, I'll throw out here, a coach I like to compare Riley to right now is Harbaugh. And for no other reason than they simply came into their current gig at the same time. So what does it mean at Michigan when Harbaugh comes in there and there was no, well, let's just, if we don't have the QB we want, we'll wait two years to get him. They went out and got Jake Rudock. Right away from Iowa because in year one they didn't feel like they had the the guy they needed they they were going to get that culture instilled and they were going to do everything they can to run Michigan football on day one and and there was no two year kind of hiatus from winning I'll, I'll just put it that way and and he came into a situation that you could argue at least on the field was was worse than Nebraska I mean they were having losing records obviously. Nebraska had unique things with Pelini's players, but I will say also Harbaugh. It would have been interesting actually to see a guy like Harbaugh come into some of our Pelini guys, and if they would have been, if they would have been giving him trouble, he'd have just said, literally, get the hell out of here. I mean, you know, and and so Riley tried a different approach there, I think, and Riley did his approach. Um, there's some really good things I think that have gone on behind the scenes, even things we don't talk about or hear about. I think there's some really good things Riley. And company have done and I think where he, he listens really well like I have I have major complaints you guys have heard <laughs> about in-state recruiting well how can I how can I really be upset about that right now they, they've gone out there they're getting to the to the coaches the first two guys in this class were from Nebraska you know there's and I've had other issues in other areas and it seems like he hears and he and he's trying to make those changes so I, I'm really enthusiastic about this next season and the years to come with Riley, I really want the guy to win. And gosh, I think if we win national or any kind of titles with Riley at the at the helm, I think it's just it's going to be awesome because we're going to really like the guy who's leading us there too along the way. It's just going to be fun.
2: Riley wins the off season. I mean, Honky was about as unhappy as you could get a couple months ago, and here we are, and he's uh, he's loving the guy. I've you know what, Matt, you brought up a the good point game.
3: there. If I could jump in, because you brought up that, you know, when Harbaugh came in, one of the first things he did was get a quarterback for his system. And he got the uh, Rudog from Iowa, who nobody thought, hey, that's an awesome pick. What a steal. They got the quarterback from Iowa. This guy's amazing. But the fact is, he did fit their system. And if there's one thing you may have a good point with on, on Riley coming in, is had he maybe junked any kind of like experimentation with what Tommy Armstrong was going to be as a quarterback, and gotten the quarterback he wanted, maybe we'd be a little further ahead. But to speak to Michigan's success with Rudolph, now think about this is the year that Riley gets to do that with a guy like Tanner Lee. You know, okay, fine. I, I we tried this experiment, but now I do finally have my quarterback. And we can make this offense with, work. I mean, if 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 John Harbaugh can do that with Iowa's quarterback, who's to say we couldn't do it with Tulane's? I mean, one of them is – with more
2: pieces in place uh, of the overall program at this point. For sure. And less I'll just excuses. keep. I'll just
1: keep it simple. Uh, 2018 is going to be the the measuring year for Riley, whether he succeeds or fails here. He'll have had his quarterbacks for a couple seasons. Uh, Diaco will be here for two years. And if you want to use that season as a measuring stick, well, we get lots of sticks to measure ourselves against that season. We go to Michigan, to Wisconsin, to Ohio State. Michigan State comes here, and then we go to our non-rival rivals in Iowa City. So we'll be able to know where we're
3: at. So, Michael, you're saying that you will reserve judgment on what you think Riley's doing until after the 2018 season? Right. Or is there a number that he couldn't hit next year that you'd be like, well,
1: I mean, guy. obviously, if he goes three and whatever next season, then this whole conversation is moot. You know, if we're Fair. only beating Arkansas State and a couple other programs, then, then all this is irrelevant. But 2018, we'll mm-hmm. know where, I think, where we stand with Riley, what we'll be seeing going forward, what we can expect versus really the, the other big name programs outside of Penn State and the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you there, Boomer. And I'll just say, if we go the five and seven that ESPN predicted, uh, it, it becomes a moot point there too. We can't go five and seven this year and, and continue to have. I, I can't see the coaching staff coming back intact.
2: And and so, what's the win total they have to get to?
0: I I think you got to get to you have to get to eight. I'll just throw that number out there. I think it. We, you think so Riley we, goes seven and five? Here you get
3: axed minimum of 8 to stay keep the job.
0: Yeah. And and those four losses if we went 8 and 4, those four losses have got to be good football losses. Right. I'll take four Wisconsin's right. from last year um over Is that you know, regular three close season?
2: Wins. 8 wins?
0: Yeah, it'd be 8 and 4 and then you okay. know get to a bowl game and and ideally 9 and 4. I mean, that that's and by the way, for an expectation, that's still a pretty good expectation. I don't know that every school out there just automatically assumes they're going to go eight and four every year, or at least eight and four, at least nine and three. I mean, that's still, you know, Texas right now. I'm not sure that they feel like they're going to go eight and four. I'm not sure Notre Dame thinks they're going to do that. And I'm just going off the list of the, of the the current kings that he has. Um, sure. So you know, who knows? It would be fun to watch Clemson this year. You know, after after Watson's been
2: gone,
3: and see how Post-Watson. see how well they Good do. Good point. Good point. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Around the Van Horn.
2: Husker baseball. It is that time of year. Uh, We've had a couple of good segments uh, the last few weeks uh, on Husker baseball. And uh, we had the Big Ten tournament this week. And actually today was Selection Monday. Even though the Huskers didn't uh, win the tournament, we did land a two-seed. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, in the regional in Corvallis, Oregon, which is a a bear because that means Oregon State, number one team in the country. Uh, Boomer, you, you uh, watched the Huskers uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, what do you think?
1: I, I did watch. Uh, disappointed, really. I, the way the bats were coming off of Penn State, and then into you know our first game in the tournament. Then we come to Iowa and. We just cannot get a frigging base runner home. It was incredible, that game. I, how many guys did we leave stranded in that game? Was it 14 oh, or it so? Was it was ridiculous. Left the bases yeah, stranded the last two know. innings. Yeah, it, that, that was frustrating. Warhawk? You know, the game after that, well, you know, what are you going to do at that point? You know, it wasn't the biggest concern to me winning that. The performance against Iowa was the, one, the concerning thing to me against that. I was really hoping for a better showing against Iowa. That was the only team in the, in the conference that we lost a series to. I would kind of like to have seen us play a little better there. Uh, Dave, what's your take from the uh the Big Ten tournament? Yeah,
2: well you know, the the Iowa matchup is a, a bear. That uh pitcher Erickson uh pretty much dominated us in the regular season as well in the second game, uh, where we lost. That was the I mean the first Iowa game uh in the in the series uh we we probably should have won uh and we did win the third. The second game uh we didn't look good and this is the same scenario. Uh it's a left hander with some Good movement on, on his off speed stuff. Uh, we just did not see the ball that well. We still got 12 hits. Uh, we had uh, bases loaded in the eighth, bases loaded in the ninth. We had first and third in the in the first and third. Uh, we at to your point, we just couldn't drive anybody home. Uh, he kept on getting big strikeout after big strikeout. Uh, you know, I mean, Iowa's was not a bad team. I mean, they went and won the Big Ten tournament, so it's not a, 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 sh- a, a shameful loss by any means. Uh, but it did really kind of break our mojo because we went and just shellacked Purdue in, in game one. And you're thinking, okay, this team's rolling. They're going to go out. They're going to score more runs and, and win this tournament. And it does break, break us a little bit there. So that's uh, the only con- thing concerning I have in the Big Ten tournament uh, would be that. Because you actually saw some pretty good pitching performances from uh, Burk Camper. Uh, Waldron had great stuff in Relief so we did score runs against Maryland again it just kind of started late there and, and Myers uh, didn't start the third game so hopefully everything's okay there uh, but yeah I mean number one thing is they just didn't drive guys home when they needed to at the end of the, the Iowa game And so then, uh,
1: looking forward to our regional we've got Oregon State another team we've already faced a couple times this year and unfortunately didn't quite uh, do as well against them either what are you <laughs> what true. are you looking forward to here?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'll 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 take this first, but I'd love to hear uh, Honky and Max on this, just in the sense that of like thinking through what it means to play a team multiple times, right? You always hear this in 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 football, for example, when you play a team in a conference championship, it's tough to beat a team twice, right? Well, in baseball, it's tough to te- beat a team say three times, right? So Oregon State did did beat us twice early in the year um, and looked good doing so. Uh, But there's an advantage there. Uh, There's some familiarity with the roster, familiarity with the pitching staff. Um, So we're not going to be scared of those guys. Um, And it's a great measuring stick to see how we match up with them a a few months after our our first encounter with them.
0: Well, and I'm a little curious, too, about, um, you know, a week ago, it seemed very conceivable that as long as we didn't, maybe if we didn't win the, the Big Ten tournament it's inconceivable that we were going to be playing maybe Oregon state. So we end up getting into the Oregon state regional, having gone one and two in the, in the conference tourney anyways. So if that's the case, I mean, is it almost beneficial that we went one and two and just got out and didn't waste extra arms as opposed to if we would have played two more games and, and went further in the big 10 tournament still ended up finishing second or third or whatever we would have finished. And then end up a two seed anyways against Oregon State like I mean in some regards we didn't pitch Meyer that last game and he didn't even play we sat him yep so I mean just you know is it is there the potential that we could have benefited a little bit from that and then to your point there too Dave the fact that we're playing Oregon State for a third time I, I agree I mean I think I'm glad that we are I'm glad that we're playing this team again I mean I honestly am I as long as we get through Yale um we lost to them twice, and one of the games was a competitive one, wasn't it? I mean, I think there was a yeah
2: five two. I think was the second game. First game was not competitive. This yeah.
0: is the opportunity for us to have that early schedule that that Erstad's been doing the last few years come back and 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 uh, you know pay us back positively now in the in the postseason playing all those teams up front and front loading the the difficulty there. I think I think it benefits us now.
2: No, I think that's true. Yeah, I think um, the the point that you're trying to make there on was it beneficial to lose? You know, once you once you lose the first game, I mean, you know, the NCAA base the the, the conference tournaments in baseball are very similar to basketball. Um, unless you need to win it, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, you just want to be playing good at that time, whether the win or the loss happens. Um, but I mean the pitching there's enough of a break we don't play Oregon State or we don't play uh, Yale till Friday you know that's that's a long break that's a typical rotation Uh, the arms would be there it is tough to especially go through the losers losers bracket in any scenario but I I don't think that was a big deal I mean you know teams like LSU uh, in Arkansas you know played on Sunday they'll be fine so I mean it's one way or the other just Try to play, play your best ball at this point of the year. That's what it's all about.
0: Were you surprised to see that five Big Ten teams ended up making it then, especially with the number of mm. surprise uh, conference winners that that took spots? Obviously, Iowa is one of those, but I, I believe what uh, St. John's yeah. lost to uh, who won the Big
2: East. Uh, Shocking. Xavier. Xavier, was, Xavier won the Big East. Yeah, Xavier, was so that was a surprise. Probably five bids were stolen on Sunday. Um, including Iowa's win. I mean, that was a de facto still because they were playing Northwestern, but uh, Oklahoma State won the Big 12 tournament. They would not get in without that. Rice won uh, Conference USA. They were not going to make it in. Um, uh, There's a couple others. And you you mentioned that uh,
0: earlier, Dave, how Miami, for the first time since 73, mm -hmm. was it didn't make it. And to think that Iowa gets in and and the Big 10 doesn't lose any of their four at-large bids. All four of them that came into yeah. the season, they were going to be in the postseason. They came into that weekend. Well, they, they came out of the weekend still making the postseason, even with Iowa going. And then at school like Miami, that tradition-rich Miami team ends up being the, one of the first four out. In fact, Michigan, I think ESPN had Michigan as one of the last four. Eight. Yeah, it was
2: just shocking. So yeah. it's yeah. unbelievable I, I for the Big Michigan Ten was...
0: to be such a bad baseball conference just a few years ago. Now they're they're literally taking spots away from Miami.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's not that we're a top flight baseball conference at this point. Uh we don't have a one seed. We're not hosting. Uh that's the next step where we need to have have our conference champion host every year. Um but to have four at-larges and and an automatic um get in, that's uh two times in the last 3 years that the Big 10 had five teams in in the conference. So, step in the right direction. Um yeah i mean i the only thing else i want to add on on baseball here is uh the outlook on the regional uh yale is a i think a, a good ivy league school um but you know they're not a bunch of major league uh, prospects on that that team um i think we can uh beat those guys i think they locked up their uh automatic bid a while ago they don't have a a conference tournament um i think they may maybe they do a like a a final like a series where they like match up the top two teams but they've had that locked up for a while. Uh, so I, I do think if you want to put your your scarlet-colored glasses on right now for Husker baseball, it's figure out how to beat Oregon State in Game 2. Uh, and if you can pull that off, uh, then you got a shot to win the regional. And then if you look across your bracket and you see who's, who you're matched up against, uh, Clemson is the host in the, in the bracket across from us, and they're probably – Right now, they've been struggling. They've lost, I don't know, nine of their last 10 ACC games. Uh, been losing quite a few games. Good talent there. Uh, Seth Beer is a heck of a player, but um, definitely vulnerable. And you have Vanderbilt as the two seed. You know, hey, Clemson doesn't win that. Vanderbilt wins a two uh, as a two seed. Nebraska wins uh, Corvallis as a two seed. Uh, there's a slight chance that we could be hosting a Super Regional in Lincoln, so...
1: You don't want to look past Holy Cross, though, Dave. They were the uh, College World Series champions back in 1952, so I will mention that. 52? So. I thought right. it was 51. No, 52. Yeah. Sorry, they went 6-1 and one that uh, year so in the College World Series. Yeah. yeah. Is there,
3: Isn't is that where games? Rudy went to junior college? Well, he did go to Holy, Holy Cross. Church,
0: junior college, but it's a different Holy Cross. <laughs> yeah, a that's that's slightly oh.
3: different Holy that's, Cross. Well, that yes. would have been far that's more interesting. Very, very good, man. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> I owe Dave, that
1: one to it, you in aura day. <laughs>
0: Is there any uh, is there any gamesmanship that that um, Erstad might try to play against Yale, where maybe you start, I don't know, you start you know Burr Camper on Friday, try to get through Yale and then turn around and have Hoensy to go against you know Oregon State? Because to your point, you said that game that game number two. Ideally, we're going to beat Yale, so game number two against Oregon State—that's the key. You know, what what do you do as the coach to try to pull off game number two?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty risky um, at this point. Uh, anybody who makes a tournament is is got a fighting ch- chance, um, unless he's feeling overly confident on be- beating Yale. I think he's going to start Home uh, and see, I- and I would even think Oregon State uh, wouldn't wouldn't sit there top. Top team or starter. I mean, it's possible. I think as a one seed, it's more likely. But as a two, the twos and threes uh, are, are usually pretty equally matched. Uh, Yale's not going to be easy uh, by any means. It's just it's a winnable game. Yeah. And if, if we expect to make some noise, you got to win that game. And Boomer,
0: but yeah, I, I, Boomer, you talked about Holy Cross's history. Doesn't wasn't uh, uh, President Bush? Wasn't he a Yale guy? And didn't they make it to the CWS? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, they did back in the 40s. They were uh, back-to-back, I think, 47 and 48. I think Yale made uh, College World Series. They were runner-ups both those years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that sounds right. Yale Bulldogs, yes. a
2: legacy of Yale baseball. Very impressive. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I- I'm looking forward to the NCAA tournament uh, kickstart on a Thursday, actually. There's some, uh, at least one regional on Thursday. Uh, most goes on uh, starts on
3: Friday. Do we, and, we do, uh, do we have uh, first pitch times yet? Is that out? Yeah, it's it's on Friday. I want to say is it about hockey? it's four you know?
0: o'clock Eastern, so three o'clock our time, two o'clock your guys' time. Two o'clock our
1: if time the, Friday. Yeah. And yeah. if the Big Ten gets to decide, that gets pushed back like three extra oh, days gosh, that of was curfew a or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I mean, it, okay. it, on a side note, the, the Big Ten tournament um, it is been challenged from an organizational standpoint. I mean, to have that many delays and, and pushbacks, I mean, they had some tough luck at a couple of the longest Big Ten tournament games ever played. But And, and the weather did play some havoc, but it's, it's a mess, and, and they needed a better job of that. I don't, I don't know how, to, how that works, but someone else is better at it than, than the Big Ten. I'll put money on it. So no. hopefully starting next year back in Omaha – for the next five years, uh, they start putting out a much better product for the tournament. It's bad for the fans. It's bad for the players having stuff games delayed um, an hour before you know pitch, and then you you go out and and have to you know play at nine a.m. the next morning and just figure it out. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, Dave, I can tell you this: Redcast listeners from a week ago uh, they voted on our, our last poll, and, and I'm the social yes. media director, so I have to apologize. We. We promoted for the first time on a show. We promoted a poll, and I, of course, sent the poll out for one day. So by the time the thing actually went live the next day, you had like an hour to vote. So, having said that, I was still ecstatic. We got, you know, 50. There was a sense of urgency there. Oh, yeah, Monk. we ended I up mean, like. See what you're going for. We had like but... 52 votes. And, and, anyways, it was uh, for Nebraska, how are we going to do in the postseason? And 27% thought that we would lose in the regional, uh, 12% thought we would win the regional. And this is, again, before we knew obviously that we're playing Oregon state Uh, 27% thought we're going to lose in the supers and 34% have got the scarlet colored glasses on. We are going to make it to Omaha. So, (laughs) um, <laughs> I, love that, least, I love it that's at least that's 61 percent of the respondents think that we're at least making the super regional so i love it redcast fans that's awesome that was
2: before the poll was out before we landed in the oregon state that, that's Regional, though, and so. now
0: there is a new poll so, this new week's poll just came out here ooh, it's fresh i mean this is like you're hearing more. it for the first time right now on the redcast uh we all know nebraska is going to make the cws based off of what last week's polls told us so what other Big Ten team is going to go the furthest, and is that Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, or or Michigan? So let us know. I uh, I actually set this poll out to go out for seven days, so you have plenty <laughs> of time as you're listening throughout the week. week. Come to uh, at Go Big Redcast on Twitter and and let us know what you think there. Fill out the poll.
1: And
3: now, Nebraska basketball.
2: Our uh, basketball segment. Uh, it's definitely off season, but. A few things been happening in the uh, the land of Nebraska basketball. Um, we've uh, had a couple of uh, in-state guys uh, go elsewhere. One of them, uh, Akoya Gao, a well-known uh, recruit a few years ago, who had committed to uh, Louisville. Um, after that, I think went uh, Georgetown, and then he is uh, uh, grad transferred to SMU. He was, uh, I think, uh, all. All Nebraska three years in a row, and then uh, right out of high school, uh, Isaiah Poo Bear Chandler, uh, who was a New Mexico commit, uh, decommitted there and is going to Wichita State, which is uh, a pretty solid program. If we uh, if you haven't heard, um, guys, what do you take on? I mean, these are, are two guys that are, are six eight, six nine type guys. Um, we need uh, bigs in the program. Miles has two. Uh, spots left in the in the roster for scholarships and um it doesn't seem like these guys even considered nebraska or is it vice versa it, i mean
0: i think you hit on everything just perfect there dave it's to me it's mind-blowing and you can go back to i think it's 2002 i want to say is the last year that nebraska recruited not only a nebraska kid i think that if i remember right that was the year that we got DeRusso and enright both out of omaha and then west yeah. wilkinson out of grand island i if I if I'm saying that right, I think that was all the, the same year. Somebody can fact check me, but
2: well, we did have the JUCO transfer bigs, and, right? And then, but, and then I bigs, mean, directly yeah, out of high But it's
0: been since 2002 since we got a prep kid right out of high school. And so, specifically when it comes to Omaha, I mean, I've been you know on the football side of things, I've been critical of how we've recruited in state you know over some years. But in basketball, it's just obnoxious. And I've said before we we have been internationally terrible. We've got now Maida and and <laughs> and the German guys, you know Neiman and, and Stan Hardinger and and Horry Diaz and Sean Ping, and then I think the first year that uh, uh, Miles was here, he got the Russian kid, the seven footer. We we have we have gone further than any other school to be totally crappy. We've been internationally crappy. So here we are in in a season where we've got eleven scholarships. We have two openings. Uh, we still need probably one more big just for depth, especially if, if Isaac Copeland can't play right away, and we don't know if he's going to get the NCAA waiver. And so we really could use that extra depth. And um, and to think that there's two 6'9 kids that have former Nebraska, you know, Omaha, you know, prep players, and that, that in the same week, it's just more symbolic than anything that we lost them both. Um, Chandler probably was going to be a guy that would have redshirted anyways. And Akoya Gal, I don't think anyone thought we'd get him. This is you know that ship had sailed a long time ago but still it's just if nothing else it's symbolic and i was having a twitter conversation today with uh, we all know we're from columbus we know mark beller and so a little shout out to mark real good basketball guy and then a, a guy a buddy of mine david mcgee he works with uh Corn Nation, and, and these guys are real good basketball guys and we were talking about that and and just how you know it's just it's amazing to me that we just cannot get these in state kids to come here i i it blows me away and then that we have these openings and we need big guys uh just kind of i don't know they actually brought up uh tanner borshart and i just want to throw that guy out walk on kids, 68275 uh had some mid major offers in football and he's from gothenburg and he's on the team he's back on the team because he was off for a year i believe and uh they actually i want to give mark and dave a little bit of a little bit of a credit there is that if this guy does anything they think they think he's going to be the guy. If, if you have Jordy getting, you know, some foul trouble or whatever, he's going to be coming in and giving some quality minutes. So I'm really interested actually to watch him, him play
2: out this year. Well, that's, that's good to hear. We need somebody, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Boomer, Mac, you have anything on this in particular? if not i can i can actually talk a little bit more about the, just the roster in general because i'm i got a question on that so
3: well i i am as, as confused as anybody else on the in state recruiting thing it just seems crazy to me it's not like you know the university hasn't put resources into the basketball program to show these kids we're serious about getting better you know and bringing a hot young coach in here to try to get the momentum going i mean i feel like the university's trying to get this thing off the ground and just having a heck of a time with it but i will give miles a pass on a coy I mean, that dude, he seems pretty flaky to me. He can't stay anywhere. He went to Louisville, then Georgetown. I mean, whatever. That guy was going to be a problem. But on the whole, it's been pretty unforgivable, the in-state recruiting. But I don't understand it. it it's it's, it's embarrassingly sad.
2: Do, honky, do we know? Did we offer Isaiah Pooh-Bear Chandler? Did we even have a conversation with this guy? Did it ever even get at that point? That is a great
0: question. I have no idea if we've even gotten to that point of asking him. Um there was a kid that from Boystown that ended up going to, to West Virginia and he was West Virginia he wasn't listed not on rivals. They don't list Creighton or Nebraska as even offering the kid. And that's part of the problem too, is that again, this almost becomes a, a mirror discussion of our, of our football talk when it comes to in-state recruiting. None of us expect that, you know, Nebraska is not a hotbed of a basketball recruiting talent, but we've talked about this in a previous red cast. It's between 2002 and today, the number of names we could go down of kids that have left oh, the state ridiculous. to go to go elsewhere and play and play meaningful minutes. We've talked—Skip, you're, you're out there, you know, Colorado State guy. We've talked about the last time that Miles took the Colorado State team to the to the NCAA tournament. They had four kids from Nebraska. You know, we, we had— you know the kid from uh, uh, Chadron, the big uh, Lyason, the seven six eleven guy, goes to Minnesota. Minnesota. had yeah, yeah. Gasell go to the list Iowa, goes on and, it's, and Creighton's had in-state guys. And Patton just went in the stinking NBA draft, and he's from Omaha North. It just, and Nebraska
2: did an offer. Patton, is that right?
0: Uh, my understanding, the way that and if somebody, I don't care, anyone can correct me on this. Tweet me after after the show if you're a listener and you're and. But my understanding was that somehow Creighton kind of they went to some camp or something, and they were able to kind of. Shield, Pat, away He's from Nebraska. Bloomer. But the reality of that is, is that that's still like shame on you, Nebraska. If you don't have built-in relationships with coaches, especially in the metro in Omaha, if you don't have built-up built-in relationship, relationships to where you shouldn't be shocked by some. Oh, you have a seven-footer on your team, and I don't know about him. How does that happen? You know, I mean, I this know. Is, I mean, I, I
2: guess, I guess that's my away. biggest thing on this whole thing is like. It, when when Danny Nia had this running, I mean, sure he had some some good out of state talent, but he did have in state talent like Bruce Chubbuck and and guys like Strickland and and Terrence Badgett and just I mean that, he had a lot of good in state talent, yeah. and it feels like some of these guys, it, it's either we're not offering them at all. Or they're not even listening to Miles. I mean, they're just not even tuning in to his pitch because they're going somewhere else because they just don't care any longer. Mm-hmm. And if it's that point where where our coaching staff in Nebraska basketball has that poor relationship with high school coaches in the Omaha Metro, that is unbelievable. And I mean, Is that it's... the
3: indication, though? I mean, is that what people are saying that Miles has is a lack of relationship with these high school coaches? I mean, is, it, that's is, what I want to know. But, I don't know. But, I mean, there's, but, there, but there was a prevailing kind of sentiment that, you know, Pelini didn't have a good relationship with the high school coaches, and then Mike Riley up until this point hasn't either. What is the, uh, what's the what's uh, the sentiment as far as how Miles is reaching out to these guys? Because, like you're saying, he's not even close on these guys, and it's ridiculous because they're right there at home.
0: Well, Dave, you mentioned a, a guy like Bruce Chubbick that we got back in the day. Well, Bruce Chubbick Sr., his dad, is the – head coach I, I believe it's Bellevue West which is one of the powerhouses there in in the metro and that's the guy it, the the kid that was on his team was a Grupp I, I always screw up his name but he's the kid that was committed here for a number of years and then it just fizzled fell apart and and I've heard a lot of different you know reasons why on both ends but the reality is is that Chubbick senior the one thing I know for sure is he came off very upset about how it all played out He came out publicly very upset with how it played out and that's to your question there mac about you know what's the relationship i'll just say that's a relationship with a guy who shares the name of a one of the husker great players from that that knee era and he and he does carry some weight at least in the coaching ranks he was very unhappy about about how that played out and so you know i it just it boggles my mind like it's so unnecessary and like i said we couldn't have gone further to get the players that we have been getting and that goes further than just miles being here but like you know when you said knee not just the in-state kids knee you know you go and get a run lou and he's from you know kansas city and if you get he's from south dakota i mean we have i can't think of a 500 mile radius radius kid we almost have on the team anymore it's it's unbelievable yeah
2: yeah all right. Uh, yeah, good stuff um, or bad stuff. One of the two. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> frustrating bad, to talk about Nebraska basketball, especially in May. Trivia time.
3: One of you, particular Dave, might know this exactly. If you do, wait, wait for some other people to chime in here.
2: But uh, we have the NCAA baseball uh, Division One tournament starting this week. How many Division One teams are there?
0: Ooh, I actually. I think I just heard this.
3: Baseball. Oh, barf. Oh. And how Good many question. Division
0: One baseball question. teams? Very specifically, not Correct. Division One schools.
3: Correct. Baseball. Right. Three hundred eighty-six. I have no idea.
0: I have. All right. Are we just guessing right now? Because I... No,
3: I was just guessing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <we're>, I,
0: anything
3: <laughs> I would say would well, just be a sheer
0: guessing, say, well, what, if guess. Well, you know it, I've got nothing. So... What I heard, what I thought I read was it was just under 300, like 295, 297, yeah. that something sounds like that. About okay, I'm, right. I'm glad yeah, you're reading
1: It's it good. It's good. All right. Well, left to right, yeah, top so, to bottom.
0: Yeah. Tylenol there for any did. headaches, MIDA for any cramps.
2: Dave, you got a guess? I do pour over the RPI quite a bit. Yeah. And Honky is in the ballpark there. It is just under 300. I want to say it's like 290. Ah, let me think about that. So it was only like 86. I think it's 296. Off. 296 sounds right. All right, it is 299. Oh. Oh, 299. You forgot Dallas Baptist, Dave. Wow. That's where you went wrong. So yeah. yeah. No, no. I would never forget Dallas Baptist. They're a heck of a program well, and, down there.
0: And I was actually. asking how many. When you were asking, like, you know, was it specifically just baseball? Because, obviously, Wisconsin's a Division One school, but no baseball. Colorado. No baseball. Iowa
2: State. That's correct. No baseball. Yeah, there's, I mean, an yeah, significant amount of, of power uh, five conference schools that don't play baseball. Uh, they, in fact, uh, a lot of those are, are very small uh, schools on the West Coast or, or in the South that um, have as their one of their actual, like, flagship sports? Because that's what they can do. Are there any SEC good or SEC? question, that's Good question schools that don't say it again
0: are there any sec or acc schools that don't
2: have it i don't believe so i think everybody plays
0: so the pac-12 the only one that doesn't play is colorado in the big 10 yeah. the only one that doesn't play is wisconsin and iowa state's the only big 12 school that doesn't
2: that sounds correct so. So, yeah yeah it sounds legit all
3: right sure so
2: just those three <laughs> still a big three all right. Uh, parting parting shots. Honky, what do you got? Well, I want
0: to give a, some congrats here to a sport we don't talk a lot about, wrestling. Uh, congrats to Coach Manning and their staff for landing Alex Thompson from Underwood, Iowa. Uh, Thompson's 139-0 and zero in his prep career. He's going to be a senior next year. And that is in, I give Iowa some crap sometimes, but that's a talent and history-rich state for the sport of, of wrestling. And uh, Thompson's picked in you over in state powers, Iowa and Iowa State. He also... Picked us over Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma. So, uh, congrats there on the uh, not the gridiron. What do what you wrestling mat? I don't know what you call. It's not the court. We'll call Whatever it, Madison call it. the Dirt. mat. The mat. Yeah. We'll just call it the mat. Congrats! Uh, you know, you know
3: the one stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: That's right. All right, all right, all right. Way to go! We beat Iowa and something this week, uh, Boomer.
1: Well, I just wanted to give a. Uh, A shout-out to our non-rival rivals, Iowa, for winning the Big Ten uh, baseball tournament and hoping they suffer a quick ignominious defeat there in uh, the Houston Regional. quick two-and-out would be best for everyone. Brutal regional. Done for the Hawkeyes. Brutal.
3: All right, Mac, what do you got? I'm just uh, very excited about this upcoming uh, postseason baseball play because, like I said before, I rarely watch baseball up until this point, so it's been a few years since I've been interested, so very very exciting times i am a huge fair weather fan all right hey that's probably a lot of
2: fans out there that's all right you know uh my my final take of the night is it is memorial day weekend and uh let's do a shout out for all of our veterans and everyone who's uh you know uh, put their life on the line to To give us this great country, I love watching uh, old movies, and Memorial Day is a blessing uh, for that. for For all those great war movies from World War II and whatnot, I've been watching tons of them this weekend, and um, it's just uh, something that we always should keep in mind. So, uh, with that, let's uh, wrap this thing up and call it a go big Red Cast.